Welcome back to another episode of No Highway Option. Today, it's No Highway to Hell Option, since this is releasing on Halloween Day. Uh, it's the cinema podcast where we answer the one question that applies to every movie, including horror movies. Is this better or worse than Vin Diesel's 2005 seminal masterpiece, The Pacifier? I'm Connor, I'm one of your hosts, and if I had to choose a celebrity mask to go on a murder spree with, I guess I'd keep it in this realm and I'd wear a Jamie Lee Curtis mask. I don't know if those exist, but if there is one, that's that's what I'd do. If one doesn't exist, you could probably get it commissioned. I um, guess, yeah. I'm your other host, Luke. Uh, I would, uh, I, I think it would be a Kate McKinnon mask. Okay. Why her? Uh, just, just for the vibes, man. You never know what's going to happen. I, sure, I guess. <laughs> um, and we have a guest joining us today, a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Jason. I'm from, uh, the Dads from the Crypt podcast. And, uh, going with the Kate McKinnon theme, I'm going with Margot Robbie. Okay. Interesting. She just we has all... like that smile. Yeah. That, like you don't know if she's like happy or like about to rip your face off. <laughs> That's, yeah. Interesting. We all went with ladies. Also, she did that. Uh, she also did that amazing, um, whatchamacallit, American Psycho parody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. I don't know if she's done a horror movie yet, but I, I see it. I can I, see it. Yeah. I can see her. I'm... uh I'm sure she must have done something that's like in that realm. Maybe some like Australian. Yeah, some like. Or, I think she did like Australian soap operas before she uh, did like Wolf Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Well, the the first result on Google is Ready or Not, but that's because that's Samara Weaving who looks Samara identical. Uh, it's apparently an art house horror comedy called Slaughterhouse Rules, but with a Z. She has a small role in it. How about that? Anyway, in case you couldn't tell from that intro, today we are discussing, given to us by another Jason, Jason Mountain, uh, from our Spiral from the Book of Saw episode, a the 1978 John Carpenter horror classic, Halloween. Now, do any of us have any history with this movie? I mean, I've been watching it. It's, it's you know, the quintessential horror, uh, Halloween time movie. And actually, speaking of, I mean, if you want to get into that kind of history, I uh, I live like 15 minutes from where it was shot. Oh, really? Um, so, yeah, every year I go by the old Myers house. It's now like a real estate agency. <laughs> um, but people like all throughout throughout all of October, people just walk up to the house and just take a take a picture real quick. That's awesome. And there's even like a um, little kind of smallish art museum art gallery place and right behind it they usually do like a halloween themed display cool is the is the town have a lot of traffic in the in the same way as like uh salem mass or no i mean there's not much else they, they, they have started having a halloween convention like halloween mm-hmm. for the movie convention um that started in the last like five or so years um so that's usually kind of big but not like Nothing crazy. Okay, I was going to say, on a scale from, like, one to the Breaking Bad house, how packed does it get? <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm, I don't have, like, a cam watching it right. all the time. <laughs> but, you know, LA, LA has just got so much going on anyways. True. Like, Yeah. Um, For me, this was, I think I've referenced it before, but this was one of the movies where my mom was, like, when I was a kid, she was like, I went to the movies once. And, like, the movie we wanted to see was sold out, so we saw Halloween, and I was a teenager, and I slept with the light on for weeks, and it's the scariest thing I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. So it really got hyped up for me, and I didn't watch it until two years ago, I want to say, when I was, like, I want to, like, just, like, I don't watch too many horror movies, so I was, like, I need to get some of the classics under my belt. And I checked it out, and I was, like, yeah, that's a, I understand why it's a classic. Like, it's, I like it. It's good. Yeah, um, I uh, I had seen it a couple of times. You know, it is the it is the classic. Mm. Um, it's it's in that uh, realm of movies though that like I don't know how anybody was scared, but it's I, like the it, it was different. I mean, I kind of get it just as like a tension thing. I remember mm-hmm. the morning after I watched it, like I was walking around my house and every little noise I'd hear, I'd be like, "Who." 
Like, I, I don't know if someone's there, like, that would be bad. Like, I guess it's kind yeah, of rooted think, in the realism of it. I think it's one, yeah, we have the realism. Also, again, it's been imitated to death mm. since then. So, like, we've seen the, this kind of scenario over and over and over again. So, if you are yeah, watching it brand new. But, like, yeah, the last 20 minutes or so when it, like, kicks in the gear, just the music is so dense. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the sound, yeah, The soundtrack might be might be the best thing of the whole movie um and i know we'll get into the soundtracks of movies in the moment right but, but yeah the uh, this just the classic score even like just hearing that mm-hmm. in anything sends a little chill down your spine yeah it's like it's it's like the psycho theme the jaws theme and then halloween like mm-hmm. that's kind of the pecking order I mean, however you want to look at it. If, in um, terms of also, yeah, yeah, the idea of going into this blind without and while you're like prepared to see another movie is pretty funny. I, that happened to me once in college, mm-hmm. where I tried to see uh, Dogma okay. that was sold out. So we went to see some other movie called um, Fight Club. <laughs> I, I think you lucked out with that one. I mean, I think both those are fantastic like, movies, but like. Fight Club didn't have like much of a not to talk about a whole other movie, but like yeah. it didn't have much expectation going into it. We were like, oh, some Brad Pitt fighting movie, mm-hmm. and it's like so much more, especially like at that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So that, that, that's always a fun experience when you are ready for another mo- one movie, and then you end up seeing a whole other movie. And that's yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened to me. Like if something's been sold out, we just left. We're like, I don't know, I guess we'll go do something else. And like now with reserved seating, there's no like, mm-hmm. oh, darn, this is sold out. I guess we have to see the Taylor Swift concert movie instead. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I miss almost the like not having the reserved seats. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know. There was a, there was something to it. There was the ritual of like one person gets there 20 minutes early, lays all their crap on like five seats. You watch every second of Regal First Look or the Maria Menounos thing. <laughs> and like you memorize what all the sneak peeks are going to be. And then everyone like comes together and has a good time. Yeah. The the era for me, I remember is like as a kid is the the hidden Coke bottle at Cinemark. I didn't have Cinemark. I had, uh, I had Regals. It would they would be uh, pictures, and then they would hide a Coke bottle in them. Um, be like you're looking at a picture of a pirate ship, and it was like hidden behind the mast. I don't know. It, oh, it just hit that sweet spot of like I don't know what age I was, but it's like in there. It's a game before the movie. Yeah. Right. Anyway, Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's the story of Michael Myers. He kills his sister as a child, which, like, is done with the POV uh, camera, which the first time I watched it, I forgot that that was a thing. Because, like, of all of the aspects of this that keep popping up in pop culture, I feel like the first person aspect of the beginning is, like, really low on the list. And the fact that, like, he's a kid when he kills his sister for the first time. Well, kills his kills for the first time. He only kills his sister once. <laughs> if you're going by this continuity, but then there's all the other yeah. surprise nonsense. <laughs> we don't have to discuss all this is on its own, its own thing. Um, yeah, no, but I love the opening sequence. Like I love oh, I, anytime a movie does a one shot, it's it's probably getting to be a little bit overdone now, but like mm-hmm. anytime you especially then you didn't you never saw anything like that. And yeah, there were some movies that did first POVs of killers and stuff, but like this was just like so like inventive, just the way like the the ge- it sets up the geography of the house. It um yeah, it sets up the geography like you just hear the breathing and like you don't see that it's a kid until they go outside and do the first cut and it's really jarring and you're like oh shit like that's that's not the killer that was on the poster that's not what was advertised to me this is a boy in a clown suit. Right, and my my favorite thing is the uh, at the end of that scene where the crane kind of go the crane shot kind of goes up. And the parents are just standing there, like not doing anything. They're like, "This is the epitome of '60s parenting." We're just like, "Oh, we're just gonna give you a stern look until you break." Yeah, I guess <laughs> we put him to military school now, right? <laughs> um, but no, he's sent to an institution yeah. because he stabs his sister to death after she has a really quick makeout session with some guy. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, that part always cracks me up. I was like, 
60 seconds and he's like on his way out. Yeah, he's putting his shirt on. He's like, all right, I'm done. Bye. I guess I'll see you tomorrow unless you're dead. Ha ha. Oops. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he's sent to an end. I want to see a spinoff about that guy. <laughs> yeah. What's was his life like? Yeah, he's he's just scared to hook up with anyone ever again because he's like, the last girl I hooked up with died. I'm surprised. Like 60 seconds later. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't end up in one of the uh, the recent trilogy movies. Yeah. He's probably. Yeah, because he's like everything from those. So yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's probably in like kills somewhere. If you ask Jason Blum, he's like, oh, yeah, no. You know, the guy who says evil dies tonight the first time. That's the 60 second sex guy. You know, he's married to the um, Iron Lady. That's that's the uh, clothes iron that's ready to beat up Michael Myers with. Yeah. That, that's there you her. go. That's <laughs> they're married. But no, he's sent to an institution because, of course, he is. Uh, and then years later, he's supposed to be transferred to. He's going to court for a hearing, and he escapes, and goes back to Haddonfield, Illinois, to kill again. That's where you would go to kill again. I mean, I guess <laughs> that's the spot. That that's the only the only worlds he knows. I guess are Haddonfield and the sanitarium, Smith's Grove. I think it's called. Yeah, where they give driving lessons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is hilarious that he can drive. He a lot of the shots of him, I would say, are kind of hilarious. Um, and unless he is like actually killing even some of those, but like that, that quintessential shot of him standing in the clothesline and he's just out there that out, out of the scene is hysterical. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess like the, I mean, like it's, it's the day of Halloween. So like, yeah, people are going to stand around with masks and be kind of weird and whatnot. The thing that gets me is that he is still driving around with a car from the sanitarium with a big logo on it. Yeah. And yeah. no one seems to be able to identify that car. I was going to talk about this, like jumping ahead just a little bit. The most insane thing about this movie is that we have Sam Loomis standing in front of the old Myers house, waiting for Michael to come around. There's police everywhere looking for him. And at one point he's been there for like hours. He turns around and there's the car. He notices it for the first time. <laughs> he's like, Oh shit. <laughs> And it's right. It is a big gaudy thing. Like it's not. Well, and Dr. Loomis, they like set up as like, he's the most serious man. He's like, I know Michael Myers. I know how bad he is. I'm going to stop him. But then he kind of just dicks around in Haddonfield for most of the night and like Mm -hmm. yells at children who are going towards the house instead of going, no, no, for your safety, there's a killer there. He just puts on a voice and is like, you better get your ass away from here. And it's like, yeah. that's not, that's not helpful. That's not helping anyone. No. But that is like an amazing mad scientist type of performance. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, what's his name? Um, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance, thank you. Yeah, he's, I mean... He was what? He was Blofeld in the original James Bonds, right? Like you can see that. And originally, I think they offered it to Christopher Lee. That, um, that also would have been great. Um, yeah, he said that was his, the biggest regret of his career. He said was uh, passing over that movie. It wasn't Attack Which, of the Clones. Well, uh, I mean, you know, he's going to get paid. True. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm sure this movie didn't pay much at all. No, the Um, the budget was three hundred thousand dollars. Which, like, when you when you've reached that like Christopher Lee level, it's more about just like the missed opportunity of Mm. like, look what it became. It's the um, which is you know, and then which is ironic because Sean Connery was originally offered like Gandalf and the Rings and like. Like, yeah, damn it. Sean Connery's did, terrible did, um, run of like what was that movie being offered the Matrix he, and Lord of the Rings, and he's like, I guess I have to do League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of Extraordinary, yes. I don't oh, understand damn. any of this, but like the last two I said no to, they hit, so right. God, that's another movie for this show that I forgot we have watched. I uh, like, done a, an episode on. Oh, it was a birthday pick. Like, yeah. First year, I think. Probably. Yeah. 
I, I love League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it like parts on TV. It was just like on. And I was like, this looks like crap. <laughs> I mean, it's a weird concept. It's a public domain Avengers, which like, <laughs> it's just silly. I think it's because of like the age that I watched it at. Yeah. It became. Right. <laughs> and what you at? You watched it in oh. like high school. Yeah. Speaking of high school, that's what Laurie Strode is in. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> we had to get yeah, back she has on the somehow. Worst, she has the worst friends of all time. Oh, they <laughs> suck. Yeah. Like, Laurie, come on. She's like the person in the friend group where they're like, we don't know why we hang out with her, so we just rip on her to see when she'll leave. And she never does. She's like, well, I guess these are my friends. Like, it's a small town. Who else am I going to hang out with? The kids I babysit? Maybe. Kinda. The pot smoking uh, daughter of the sheriff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which one of them, I don't think it's the best friend, but one of the friends is played by an actress whose name is Nancy Loomis. Which I've, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've always just found that to be a funny coincidence. Apparently it's a stage name. Her real name is Nancy Kyes. Kyes. K-Y-E-S. Just keep yeah, saying I, actually, I find her really grating in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Souls is kind of like whatever, but I, she's it, just like, oh, she's like the worst babysitter ever. It's it's classic horror movie characters of like, you know, they're just on the slaughterhouse line. Like, well, yeah, we do now, but at the time, true, that very true. Oh, man. So it's kind of again, you're thinking like there's no way to think they're going to kill these women, these young babysitters. Mm hmm. Yeah, they're innocent. Like, you know, they're fine. Kind of blew the doors off of that. Yeah, right. But yeah, uh, Lori's. Yeah, she's babysitting the kid. She's having a normal day, and then everything goes wrong. Like it's plot-wise, it's a very light movie. Right. And okay, so here's my mass. This is my overall thesis of this movie. It's a great half hour of a movie. It's a great like another uh, it's so it's a 90 minute movie so the mm. first half hour is great it's all the setup all the you know that first kill and then kind of dr loomis kind of going around the last half hour is extremely tense it's like does not stop but that middle half hour just like grinds to a halt where we're just watching babysitters babysitting yeah it almost feels like they were like we have to hit the 90 minute mark so like the the kids hear a noise they're gonna look outside they're gonna come back and they're going to do that four more times. Uh, yeah, and and I mean, he kills a dog. Let's just make him kill a dog real quick. Right. Because he got hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of like critiquing like a very, very good movie. Like you're right. kind of looking for something. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with those sequences. And yeah, there's spookiness and Michael's just kind of around. But like nothing. It's just kind of moving pieces around where like they could have done that a lot quicker and that part just like it could have used a kill mm. um somewhere in there but again that we're looking at it from more modern perspective but right that, that middle part just kind of grinds the momentum and it could be it lulls so much because it wants to put you in a false sense of security like mm-hmm. oh i guess i guess like he's just gonna be there and there's not gonna be that much gore or that much blood uh murder and then it just ramps up all of the friends die what's his name bob i uh, gets uh-huh. stabbed the my honestly my favorite kill in the entire thing where he's stabbed on the wall and michael myers does the confused dog look to him a few times it's great mm-hmm. but then like we get the, this other scene though this is why this is the thing that i don't get about michael maybe i don't get but like it's confounding because like every time we actually see him he's very stoic just kind of standing around looking at things but then he does these gags. Yeah, he, d- he where did, like he does he, the like, little prank makes where he dresses up. A whole up. Costume. Yeah, it's him and Doctor Loomis. Like you look at them from the outside and from the franchise as a whole, and you're like, they are the most stoic, hardcore people. But then they, yeah, they do bits, they do gags. Like uh, Michael has an excuse because he is that kid. He's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy, but he's also like a kid that never grew out of it because he was like broken mm-hmm. um, like he's not acting like a kid that during the the times we actually see him so it's like do we see even that sheet with the ghost eyes like anywhere else or did he like go into the laundry room <laughs> find some scissors grab a sheet yeah you know like measure it out like make sure you got the holes the right size there must have been like a spare room or something it's just 
I just love that the glasses are on the outside. So he's like, she'll definitely think I'm him because she knows his glasses. It's like a fractured. He's like, I understand conceptually that parts of this are jokes that humans do to each other. Yeah. (laughs) But I have not formed enough to understand the legwork to get there. Sick prank. Now I'm going to see boobs and strangle. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you just stand there like, I am humaning right now. <laughs> yeah. I am human. Um, I am a human. I yeah, am not a shape. Like, strangling with a phone cord. I don't know if you could strangle someone with a phone cord. It, it seems pretty. It yeah. seems tough. But, like, again, he's strong. He's almost invincible. Cause like, well, yeah, he's strong. But is that cord itself that strong? True. Yeah, that's kind of like. Because it's that cord. It's that. The wraparound um, cord. The stretchy cord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that I would think that like maybe not like a parody or something like that. But I would love to see someone just like, whoop, yeah, and, like, <laughs> stretch it out and get away. I maybe it's just people are panicking, so they're not thinking straight. So they're like, oh, it's touching my neck. So like, I guess that's it. How much give does it have? Yeah. <laughs> and also, like you know, when he kills Bob, it's like one stab, and then we see below where his like feet are like hanging. Like mm-hmm. somehow he stabbed him hard enough into the wall that he's it's able to hold his body weight. And then we see from underneath, and there's no blood coming out. I mean, when, yeah. when the movie is this good, sometimes you just gotta find things to nitpick, or yeah. just you know, or low you, budget things that you just don't have time to consider, or you just right. notice things where you're like, they there should there should be a lot more intense blood in this movie, and it's really it's not bloodless, but it's, I mean, tame by today's standards. The person who assigned us this movie we watched spiral from the book of saw with them a much worse movie but like <laughs> a lot more much in, worse a lot more intense with the blood and gore yeah I'm not, and i'm not trying to say like it needs to be realistic or like right. that makes a good movie it's just you know when you see the movie this many times it's this yeah. on, on the pedestal like this you just cry these are things you just kind of critique but again that whole sequence is so damn like it's like stressful in a way with the music and everything when mm-hmm. you get into it it's stressful, it's but it's like, it does have the moments of levity where it's like, I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to be laughing at this, but like, this is fun. And it's, it feels the most like, I don't want to say sincere, but like the most intentional of the sequences. Cause I feel like with a lot of other moments, you can point out something that's like, this was just to get people excited for one moment or like it was like when for no reason the one babysitter spills popcorn on her shirt so she just gets down to her underpants mm-hmm. or, or yeah, butter not annoyed me. like yeah it's it's like there's you can just like dab it away like i get you want to impress a boy but like you know he knows you're babysitting it's fan service i know it is <laughs> but like that's yeah. that's what i'm saying like the in the kill sequences are like they not- fan service it's you can tell it's what john carpenter wants to put out there and like there's this line of suspense and hilarity that we are just like razor thin Mm -hmm. well yeah like we're we're gonna get to that with with the with the pacifier in a second (laughs) belief in hilarity because but yeah like man that's a move yeah yeah (laughs) but like yeah comedy Um, and horror live in the same like neighborhood oh, yeah. of like it's a surprise I mean, reaction yeah i mean i can't bury the lead so my podcast is all about the movie the show tales from the crypt and that mm. is technically a horror uh tv show but it's really a comedy almost more than that yeah, it's more you, about you got the crypt keeper being funny and ironic or just jokey the crypt keeper himself is like you know the ultimate joke generator mm-hmm. um so it's it's funny it's it's the you know they say comedy is like to make someone laugh or afraid like the two hardest things you can try to do yeah because you have to really figure out what that is individual to each person or you know what is the most broadest thing and you know they'll both elicit major emotions i think that's why people keep coming back to them um you know that's why like horror and comedies are like the bread and butter of media Mm. yeah and it's i mean now especially you're seeing a lot of comedians and like people who got their start in sketch comedy doing big time horror stuff you got jordan peele who's like everyone's favorite horror director and you go back and watch key and peel and like you see his stamp in there but like 
it's a lighter tone instead of what he's doing or like the guy from whitest kids, you know, doing by barbarian mm-hmm. and like that really hitting. Right. And I think, I think I, I, I so I watched the pacifier yesterday and I was mm. thinking about like how many of those kind of movies we used to get Oh, and how we almost get almost none now. And I think I was thinking that there's just been such a decline in comedies, at least mm. like big blockbuster comedies. And I really think it's because the studios want like an international appeal for their movies. They're trying to get all those other markets and comedy is very based on cultural norms or cultural mm-hmm. understandings. So it's much harder to make a comedy that's going to appeal universally it, where yeah. transformers <laughs> where it's a bunch of robots beating the crap out of each other, you know, that, that translates universal, yeah, right. Exactly. Or where, you know, you have like a, you have like a monster creeping up on someone that that is very universal. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a decent interview with um, Adam Devine from Workaholics where he talks about how um, we used to get so many comedy movies in a year, uh, like the these years when the big tentpole ones that came out. You're talking about like your Anchorman year and your old school these kind of things. Like that year, how, how many other comedies were there? There are other you know twenty twenty five other comedies that you don't you don't exactly remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they, they get almost, they get judged harsher, almost the comedies we have, because how many come out in a year Four, eight? Let's see. Then also it's easy to put them on streaming. That's, where, you know, yeah. Right. Just kind of like, yeah, it became, it weirdly, it became a thing of like comedies are what you watch at home because like you can watch them and look at your phone and like not pay attention. So a lot of stuff was punted to streaming instead of like trying to make comedy stars and like put out not very expensive movies that are just funny, but it's, you know, I don't know. I was encouraged by Barbie doing well at the box office. Cause like, no matter what you thought of it, that was a comedy that really did well. Well, and also like everything swings back. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. we get a comedy swing back. Yeah. And, and it may not be, I mean, it, it'll look different, mm. but there's there's some give back that's gonna happen. We need an SNL character movie again. <laughs> the they said no to the Stefan one, and MacGruber bombed, and they just have been too scared to go back. Even though MacGruber is great, kind of sounds like you're calling for It's Pat too. I'm not calling for a sequel to <laughs> It's Pat. I think what's her name like has denounced Pat as a character. I don't know. I- I just, it's like almost a game for me at this point to bring up It's Pat as many times as I can. (laughs) Have you ever even seen the whole thing? Yeah, but I was a kid, so I do not remember. I like that John Carpenter, well-directed, does the music incredible. Like, he's, he's the best. He's, he's like a master of his craft. Now he's sitting around playing Xbox and complaining a bunch, which is, you know, cranky old man. He's allowed to be it. He's entitled. (laughs) God bless him. Um, I just, my favorite thing about this movie and it, again, it's a hindsight is 2020 thing, but when the kids are being babysat and they're watching the thing from another planet or whatever, but it's the opening to the thing that he's going to recreate in like 10 years or so. It's Mm -hmm. one of those like, oh, that's cool. He called his shot. Yeah. Some people are uh, confident and they can back it up. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's directing his ass off. Like it's John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis does a fantastic job with it. Oh yeah. Production for what, for what, for what it is, for what they had to work with. Production is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it looks great. The shots are great. It's inventive without being flashy, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like it, it very much like watching it. You're like, Oh, someone could like make this on an iPhone in two days. But I mean, if you're looking at it from a surface level, but as you like look at the shot composition, you're like, no, this was complicated. Like they thought everything out. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about um, that stupid the Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey movie, which is obviously much worse. But it's a similar conversation of budget and what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Like this, the story of that is, is not very good. The acting is not very good. But the there are points where the production value reaches a, a higher height than it should. And that's, I feel like the story of a lot of, a, a lot of uh, low budget horror is like, you are 
loving this. You are loving every minute of it. And you're that, that output is so high because you are making sure the quality of these shots, you're getting inventive because you don't have the budget to not get inventive. And that's why some of these stand. That's why some of these, we still remember them. And cause like there are so many not well-known actors at this point, at least in the movie, like you're squeezing every cent out of the production budget and like the actors are getting sag minimum. Yeah. Uh, I like how throughout a lot of this, Michael Myers isn't called Michael Myers. He's the shape or the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. I think that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great that they're creating more mythical. Like he's very, he, he's like a human in form, but his presence is mythical. I mean, probably my mm. favorite parts of the movie is where she pulls the mask off and you're expecting this like old, deformed, creepy man or whatever. And it's just this angelic face. Yeah, it's just a guy. And yeah and again if the whole like you know premise behind the movie is the nature of evil and how evil you know lives among us and you know permeates our communities um Mm -hmm. you know it's showing that you know the face of evil the ultimate evil can be like anything anyone else yeah they could be in this very theater yes (laughs) but like in that and then there's those shots after michael's body disappears of just like around the neighborhood but you still hear his breathing so it's like yeah you know, and it's the evil is still there and it's not just confined. I think that that was this is the kind of theme that I think the newer ones were trying to get to, but they were like, well, we'll do ham fisted with it. That like evil could be isn't just like one single person. It's kind of spread across, mm-hmm. you know, communities and, you know, given the right opportunities that, you know, it could present itself. Yeah. Yeah. The new trilogy is. It's weird because it's trying so hard to swing back to, like, it's this person is evil and, like, evil is anything It starts after the weird swing of, like, he's a, like, it's a demon cult and, like, he can survive anything and Season of the Witch also happened. It starts strong. Um, I, I, 2018 was all right. Yeah, I, I mean, that first one is, is mm-hmm. the best of the bunch. Yeah. Well, by far. Yeah. And I like I like everything I, not everything but I like a, most of what happens in Halloween Kills except for the the hospital scenes. Mm-hmm. Those scenes are god awful. And sidelining Laurie is just was a huge mistake. So anything that happens in the hospital, I really, really, really hate in that movie. But everything around the town, I'm like, okay, this is just you know a Halloween ass Halloween movie. Yeah, and then ends is just a mess. <laughs> ends I still haven't gotten to. Oh, it's. That's the more every time I hear about it, I'm like, this sounds incoherent. Like, yeah, I get what you're trying to do, but there's like a radio signal that messes up a guy or something like. No, 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 that's that's (laughs) then someone lied to me. There's yeah, there's a part where you think Michael Myers is on the motorcycle. It's kind of a fake out. Oh, that's the fact that you're like, but well, like, no, riding behind someone on the motorcycle. Ah. Like, you know how like two people can be on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. one person's ri- driving, and the other person's like got their arms around them. You think he just <laughs> or, like, slipped like, on? on. He there's, just there's a part. Yeah, there's a part where you think he might be do- the person behind someone on the motorcycle. Like it gets to that point. That's. That's <laughs> something happened to David Gordon Green. He lost the juice somewhere. It seems. Well, I think I think they basically for the first for 2018 they they gave him very strict guardrails and says you know check with us on everything to make sure it's good mm-hmm. we don't want to fuck this up so he had those guardrails and then once the movie was hugely successful they're like they took them off and they want to go probably pay attention to something else and then he just went off and did whatever he did and <laughs> it just did not was not good and then uh, the Exorcist is even ooh, even worse. <laughs> it's like you only have there's only so much I, unless I, I you can come back and it's the, it's the age old sequel thing of like inherently you're working harder to get to that place and a lot of times it just like falls flat and sometimes like they put a lot of juice into that first one and then there, it's like you were saying the scenes in the hospital and there's like there's stuff where the the water is coming through the bottom of the boat mm-hmm. like, I guess I appreciate them taking swings and I try to make the same movie three yeah, times but yeah. at some point you have to check with someone to make sure those are good swings and I just not yeah, just I, swings for swings sake yeah 
the yeah the final michael and laurie showdown is like iconic moment after iconic moment in the in the mm-hmm. original version the one we're supposed to be talking about um you got his little sit-up scene she's stabbing him with the wire hangers like he's his hands clumsily reaching through the closet there's so much where like if you say halloween to someone that'll be guaranteed one of their like first images that pop in their head other than michael himself yeah, and it's like the last 20 minutes of the movie, too. Like, that's mm. just even encounter him or have any clue anything's wrong until the last couple minutes of the movie. Yeah, no, she goes, most of the movie's just like, this is weird. She gets the heavy breathing phone call for the first time. She's like, I guess that's a pervert or my friend messing with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. I don't have a secret brother. It's fine. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that secret brother thing is. It's a dumb twist. Yeah. Because what I, what I like about this movie, and what I wish they kind of uh, they hinted at a little bit in the new, in 2018, was that the only reason he cares about her, like is or going after, her, is because she ha- randomly happened to walk up to his house that one time, mm-hmm. and that was it. And like that makes no it... other connection. It could have happened. It could have been anyone. Yeah, that makes it that much so, better. Like, yeah. So the, there's the whole thing in spite of how traumatized she is, but like really she doesn't, he doesn't, she doesn't mean anything to him other than just another prey that happened to be in his way. Mm-hmm. They happened to come and interact with because in this, in 2018, he's only there because the, that Sartan, the doctor drove him there. Right. Um, there's nothing saying that he wanted Michael wanted to go after her. It's that's goes kind of like in her head. Not to say it's in her head, but um that's a conjuncture that she made that may or may not be true mm-hmm. uh, which i think is even makes it even more ominous yeah and like she got away so i mean in like these sequels of course he'd want to go back and get the one that got away but well i think it's even weird again if it, he doesn't care he was just yeah i was just going after this person i'm going after this person i'm going after that person oh, hey, like, it's her again. if i miss one i'll yeah I'll just go back down the line yeah, exactly. It's a pretty straightforward plot. The last 20 minutes is just, you know, classic, amazing, one thing after another. Mm. Uh, I keep saying it, but the score is so goddamn good. The, oh, it's incredible. Uh, the version that I watched on Crackle.com, uh, the sound mixing was god-awful. Ooh, like, no. I don't know what was going on with it, but it was just rough to listen to. Yeah. It's oh, a... I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think it's not that, your fault. That was the one I watched most <laughs> recently too, and it's like this trend of these uh, the the free streaming services where like every eighteen minutes you have like four and a half full minutes of commercials, and like there's always some kind of concession in the recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for the fast, free, ad supported streaming services, but like conceptually, yes. In practice, I wish they were better. Yeah, and it's one of those, like, they just put whatever on there. It's not like they're getting the full, like, Master Files HD licenses. Like, I think Brad has brought this up on a previous episode, but there have been times on Tubi where, like, you start watching some lesser-known movie or some older movie, and you see a VHS FBI piracy warning, or, like, there's a little bit of tracking. Mm -hmm. Or, like, you see the DVD menu for a split second. It's just, like, a screen grab that's been tossed onto the server. It's kind of cool. <laughs> that's, see, yeah. depending on the movie, that could be kind of cool. But, yeah. yeah, for Halloween, it's it's a little different. I watched it on Shudder, and it was, you know, mm. fantastic. Oh, yeah. the That's that's where I watched it the first time. I, like, did the couple months free of Shudder. And, like, there was mm. a lot of really well, like, really, like, good qualities both with the movies and how they looked and sounded stuff on there. So like, I guess we're pro shutter. Oh, very. Uh, so, so I guess now it's time for us to go on to our criteria, which we cover every episode in order to determine if a movie is better or worse than the past fire. First up, we've (laughs) kind of gone over it. How's the soundtrack? I mean, it's it's the Halloween theme. Like yeah. it's a John Carpenter score. He's going all in with well, the synths and everything. It's it's great. Well, let me qualify for a second. So I've never actually seen the Pacifier before. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I, I remember coming out. I remember seeing the trailers. I'm like, this looks god awful. Um, 
but so uh, but you know because of the this podcast i sat down with my daughter um my nine-year-old daughter uh, yesterday and we sat and watched it and i thought it was pretty fun like, yeah, so much really stupid but yeah. i love the cast was really really good i love lauren graham my wife is a huge um gilmore girls fan mm-hmm. so i uh, probably pretty much a day doesn't go by i don't see lauren graham you know, <laughs> acting you know lauren grammy at some point right carol kane carol kane's always great mm-hmm. um so I, I i was pleasantly surprised by the ridiculousness of it and also like the the right the post 9-11 like right after 9-11 like rah rah go bits. yeah go navy seals the bad guy is north korea and will always be north korea <laughs> right. uh... i mean like shoots down like a helicopter in the first like scene or something like that like wow (laughs) yeah it's it's a wild movie that's that's the reason why we have it as the baseline for this podcast of just like we want more people to watch it because it's fun and weird now did you how often do you guys do you guys watch it every time for each episode to like refresh yourselves no i rewatch it every like i (laughs) just as a refresher periodically yeah like every eight to ten months i'll be like have i forgotten anything and then jump back Mm -hmm. into it and be like no i can almost recite this from memory at this point (laughs) but like it's it's still fun like there's still stupid little things that you don't think about like when brad garrett introduces himself says my friends call me little puppet and you go why and he never brings it up again and, like, it's a weird throwaway mm-hmm. thing that, like, I didn't notice until my, like, third time watching it for this show. Right. Um, I guess we'll we'll talk about ridiculous scenes in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump ahead. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, as far as scores go, and I love, I was a big Blink-182 fan in the early 2000s. I saw them twice. Like, I saw it Warped oh, Tour. Nice. I saw them on tour. And, actually, at one point, my manager was married to Travis Barker's brother. Oh, cool um so that was ne- that was neat but um and also blink Two just came out with a new album this week mm-hmm. um so i like the I, I i i was digging the like early 2000s punk 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 pop mm-hmm. uh ness of the soundtrack but i wouldn't say it was good especially then compared to the halloween theme yeah <laughs> the, out of the water yeah no i'm i'm usually a proponent of the pop punk nonsense but it's it's a John Carpenter score and it's the Halloween theme. Like, gotta give it to it. Yeah, I, I, I think the score takes it this time. <laughs> uh, is there anything in this film that is as memorable as the Pacifier's Peter Panda dance? That scene was amazing because I didn't put that together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like what, how that was going to play, and I love that it, it it played into the rest of the movie. Um, so are you talking about when he does it at the end, or when he does it kind of like? in the middle for peter just the just like the existence of it it could be both yeah i I think we have this as part of the criteria because uh when like we were in college somehow the movie came up and that was like the thing Mm -hmm. we remembered from it i usually use it as Um, like uh what is the what is the thing that i think of when i think of this movie that i'm gonna remember every time um there's one thing I think is going to be more memorable to me, but I think that's more of a personal thing, but I, that was a very memorable bit, but I don't think it's more memorable than a lot of the things in Halloween. I mean, yeah, it's, there's definitely moments in Halloween. For me, like, the most memorable thing is the sit-up. Like, Laurie mm-hmm. thinking she's killed him, she's fine, she's catching her breath, and then he just goes perfectly perpendicular. And, like, it's... Yeah. It's borderline supernatural because you think he's dead. Mm-hmm. I think the most memorable thing for me is the closet scene. Mm-hmm. She's just like trapped in there. And also like the the probability of her like getting the point of a, a, a clothes hanger right in his eye is like ridiculous. Yeah. But you're so wrapped up in that moment. Um, also a moment you think you would be a it. lot bloodier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I think it's it it might be the clothesline scene or uh just like mm-hmm. any scene where he's there like the classroom scene mm-hmm. where they look out and there he is yeah he's just that's what i think like that of. scene where the kids are running out 
and the boy like runs right into Michael. Yeah. And he just goes like, he uh. a little stinger. No. <laughs> oh, it's so good. That's first time through. I was like, holy shit. Is the first kill going to be broad daylight and a child? <laughs> like for a half second, I like held my breath. Yeah. I've, I've seen this like in the theater too. So that, that, that part. Usually whenever I see like a revival a movie I've seen them a bunch of times in the theater, I try to pick out the people that have never seen it before. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tell how oh, yeah. um, based on how people react. So I usually find those people when I know a big shock is coming, I try to watch them to kind of that, see like I did the reaction. Yeah. I did the same thing recently. A group of friends and I did uh recently, it was like a year ago, but we went to see they were playing Beetlejuice outdoors in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends hadn't seen it. And, like, there was a group of 12-year-olds there who, like, had no idea what was going on. So it was a blast to, like, they're having fun with the uh, Jump in the Line musical number. And I was, like, turning. I'm like, the shrimp hands are going to scare the shit out of her, right? And, like, yep. she almost fell out of her seat. Every every single moment, the, like, group of kids is, like, screaming and laughing and crying at the same time. They don't know how to react to this. I'm like, this, this is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have? Uh, did you mention a big memorable moment? Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah the closet. Yes. Yes. The, you um... did. You did. Sorry. It's been a long day. Yeah. The <laughs> the the metaphorical cocoon in which she comes out as a as a new woman out of, if you want to get it, symbolic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, who is your Brad Garrett, Carol Kane, memorable scene stealing side character of the film? Um, I mean, is. Uh, Doctor Loomis, a side character. That's that's like, I kind of he's kind of main, kind of side. He's like it's other it's other him or like Lonnie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would go either Doctor Loomis or Bob. Like the character Bob, himself yeah. is whatever, but he's got the big iconic kill, and then Michael's biggest joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd go Loomis too. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of the heavy hitters. And last but not least, is there anything as batshit insane as the one scene sound of music subplot from the pacifier? Where if you don't know what it is, you can watch the movie. It's quick, it's weird, it's great. Well, no, okay. I want to talk about that. That's okay. like <laughs> Okay, so first of all, just to go off the bat, I'm Jewish. Oh. So the second that they pull out a swastika armband at the school, I was like, where is this movie going? <laughs> I like started losing my shit as I'm watching that. And I'm like, is this kid? And then he has like blonde hair. And I'm like, is this kid really going to be a Nazi? And you think like, and like <laughs> in this Disney movie? Yeah. Yeah. For a Disney movie. And again, this is early 2000s. So I guess I don't know what the hell was going on then, but. It was such a weird moment of like, okay, and I'm watching this with my yeah. daughter, and we recently watched um, an Indiana Jones movie for the first time, mm-hmm. like a month ago. We watched The Last Crusade, ah, and I like one. she never heard of a Nazi before, so I had to sit her down and like explain to her what a Nazi is and what that symbol makes. I didn't want her like just drawing the symbol, like right, just right. Not, you know, just because kids draw, kids see things they they emulate all the time. Yeah, so I didn't want her just to randomly draw swastikas on her homework and like get a call from her teacher. <laughs> so like, I just literally had to explain. So she was very confused as well. Like there's Nazis in this movie. Yeah. Like, is Indiana Jones going to show up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then he follows them into that, the, uh, uh, alley. There's these other, like extremely Aryan skinhead looking guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Who are wearing like, their armbands outside of rehearsal. That's the weird thing. Yeah. But <laughs> like, I mean, it was so baffling. And then when I get in and they start singing songs, I laughed so hard. That was the <laughs> biggest laugh of the whole movie for me, was that reveal. Because it's like half funny, half a sigh of relief that they're not going down this road. <laughs> well, at first, like, they showed you inside the th- inside the theater. And I'm like, oh, okay. For a second, I start going, like, my head was like, what is this going to be? And I thought, oh, is he going to be like Diary of Anne Frank? I'm like, little, okay. Little and more then they start hitting. singing. I'm like, oh my god, this is even better. <laughs> it's a, it's a very solid bait and switch. It really is. Which has no bearing on. I mean, I guess that's to give that one character an arc, but it's so yeah. weird. Yeah. It pops in. It's immediately resolved, and then you're just like, 
there was a second where the principal thought this kid was a Nazi. Yeah. I, yeah. It's like. And they like weren't more concerned. Like, yeah. It's the only time you're like. So like. <laughs> the only time you go, okay, well, like, yeah, probably I, Brad Garrett, I would also bring him to the office and call mm. his parents, you know, like. <laughs> and it's every time I go back to that. The kid is so fr- afraid to talk about being involved in theater that they <laughs> sit this stuff down and they're like, hey, what the hell? And he's like, yeah, I guess I'm a Nazi. <laughs> and I do love Vin's like initial defense of like, okay, he dyed his hair. He's not a Nazi. And then they pull out the armband and he's like, mm. Seth, <laughs> yeah, you want to explain? Seth, this? there is a right answer here, and it's not silence. <laughs> is there anything in his Bastion saying in Halloween? Is all that? I mean, for a second, I thought he was like he's really into Eminem. <laughs> that'd be that'd be fun, but no, no, um, no. I don't think there's anything as Bastion insane in Halloween as there is. <laughs> In a Nazi armband showing up in that this, this <laughs> Disney movie. For me, and then they're being really just on the music. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's Michael Myers as like the boogeyman entity that cannot be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I for me, it's he knows how to drive. <laughs> he was taken away at six years old, but he can drive really well. He can like stop on a dime to taunt some kids mm. and then keep moving. Like he does drive pretty well. He drives that, really that there's well. There's no way he could have heard them yelling at him. Yeah. In that distance. It's nuts. But like, I guess, I don't know. I guess if you're a murderer, no. then you know how to drive really well. I mean, they, 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 and I guess in the novelization or some retconning, they said that like he was watching uh, from going back and forth to all the, the court dates. He was watching them. Uh, as they drove to learn, but like you can't see their feet. Yeah. Exactly I know what the hell's going on there. I guess, but like it's just a leap of faith. Yeah. But, um, the only thing that would have been weirder is if, like Michael Myers would put out like a armband swastika. With a swastika <laughs> yeah. On his. yeah. When his that hand, would have been his like part of his costume, when his hand is reaching through the closet door, his sleeve slips up a little bit and you're like, is that, is that, it's the, that old college humor sketch of like they're they're talking about the the Nazi zombies from Call of Duty, and they're like having a discussion of like how do we how do we know that they're like, I don't that remember one's this wearing one. an armband like is it is it worse that it's eating brains and I, I guess it's worse and then they get eaten by zombies. I don't remember that one, but uh, do we have a ranking? And a rating against the pacifier for this film. So what's our criteria? Um, just like what, what are we breaking out of? Uh, I usually do like out of five, like for this, I would say I give it, I give it five synthy score tracks out of five. Like it's, it's iconic for a reason. It's incredible. It's tense. There are, you know, not, there are moments where it lulls a little bit, but that just works to the movie's favor. And I do think it's much better than the past fire. Um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it eight tablespoons of butter out of the stick. That might be the whole stick. Yeah. The stick's eight tablespoons. So I guess a stick of butter, seven (laughs) tablespoons of butter out of eight uh, melted on your shirt. Um, it is it, it is a classic from that classic value. Um, I think conceptually, I know that it has to be better than the pacifier. Yeah, but subjective. But it's I, subjective. Uh, it's but fun. subjectively, I it's uh, I don't know if it is for me. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, no, I give Halloween like five Grim Reapers out of five that you should not fear. <laughs> Or five, oh, about five cowbells. There you go. <laughs> and would you say better, worse, same level as the pacifier? <laughs> if I have to answer this question, uh, <laughs> no, it's. I, I, I would definitely say 
given you know watching it with my daughter you know with the insanity of what the, the concept is for this podcast I, I i had a good time mm. but it's nowhere near halloween it's yeah. like not even the ballpark <laughs> that's it's always fun when we get to that point with guests because everyone's like am i gonna insult you if i say i don't like it and we're like no there have been so many <laughs> movies where no. we're like of course this is better than it now, why I want to do? Yeah, I want to. I want to list of the movies that people are definitively less than Pacifier. Like, is the room less than the Pacifier? I, I think it was. I think it was for most of us. I don't. That one. That was a while ago. Uh, definitely, Kangaroo Jack and its sequel were much less than the Pacifier. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and now it's time to play a game called Fill It Up with Diesel. <laughs> Where we cast Vin Diesel in the movie that we just watched. Uh, we can make up a character, we can give him a side plot, he can be replacing an actor, whatever we want, but where would we put Vin Diesel in 1978's Halloween? I mean, Dr. Loomis, of course. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's already got the hair for it. Yeah, he's got his, <laughs> yeah, they've got the same hair. Like, you just imagine him like, He's got the devil's eyes. Like, you know, it's just that gravel voice giving all those classic Loomis lines. That'd be amazing. I mean, or or he's just the shape. He doesn't say anything yeah. at all. He's just under a mask the whole time. That's... At the very end, you pull off like, Vin Diesel? <laughs> yeah, it's just a quick flash of him and you're like, oh, you were Vin Diesel the whole time? <laughs> I want the mask to be a Vin Diesel mask. Mm. <laughs> and it's... Yeah. Everything's exactly the same, but it is like a very realistic Furious Seven angry <laughs> Dom Toretto mask. Uh, where he's like, you know, he's like, Laurie, we're family. <laughs> Get out of here. Yeah, you'll find that out in the next one, but we are family. Or she's like, oh, no, no. She's like, was that the boogeyman? He's like, no, it's family. <laughs> it's a family man. Uh, I do a. I do a sequel tease mm-hmm. um, when they <laughs> when they see that the body's not there anymore. Uh, it would be a be a split frame, and in the other picture, they would be calling another sheriff who would be Vin Diesel asleep in bed, uh, and he would sit up in that perpendicular like ninety degree wake, angle. Like, don't wake daddy. <laughs> yeah. And then he would put on like, a different would, mask. He'd be like, you know, all those scenarios we, we trained for, we found one we've never heard before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what they say about fighting the boogeyman? The boogeyman always wins. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on, Jason. Uh, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you online? Tell us about your podcast. Yeah. So again, I host Dads from the Crypt. It's a Tales from the Crypt podcast. We've been reviewing every episode of the Tales from the Crypt TV show. Uh, we're actually almost done with our full uh, series review, and we've been doing a horror anthology movies, and we'll probably do some other horror anthology TV shows. Nice. Um, and we have like lots of great uh, interviews with all kinds of people that worked on the show, especially John Cassier, who did The Crypt Keeper, um, lots of the producers and directors who did many other movies. Um, lots of, I mean, then we give dad advice. You know, what more could you want? <laughs> I would. That I legally do not endorse anyone else doing. <laughs> um, we are Dash the Crypt on Instagram, Crypt Dads on Twitter because it got shortened. Um, and yeah, and everywhere on Spotify, we also are on YouTube as well. Awesome. All right. What would you say is, it doesn't have to be your number one favorite, but one of your favorite Tales episodes? Yeah, we guess that. That, that we get asked a lot. I mean, it kind of depends on, depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Like the scariest one is called the New Arrival. Um, there is, you know, my personal favorite is Yellow, which is more of like an epic episode. Which it's very different than a lot of the other ones. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one. That's like the uh, yeah, we actually war did like one, right. What's up? Yellow's like the war one. The guy running away. Yeah, from, yeah, that's the war one exactly. I think I've seen that. One. Robert Zemeckis directed. Yes. it's got an amazing cast. Uh, we and we actually have an episode where we did like our top ten episodes. Oh, so cool. uh, you can listen to that for more recommendations. Awesome, right on. And as I definitely for, will, yeah, absolutely. And as for us, you can find us anywhere at No Highway Pod. Email us nohighwaypod at gmail dot com if you want to yell at us uh, if we got anything wrong. 
If you disagree with us, if you want to be on the show, if you want to suggest a movie, whatever, just shoot it over to the email. Um, Thank you to Ian C. Weber, as always, for composing our theme song. The C this week stands for... Crypt. Crypt. There you go. Uh, uh, Follow the link in our show description to to go to Ian's website and hear all of his cool stuff. All right. Uh, Well, thank you again for coming on, Jason. We'll have a great Halloween, guys. Yeah, happy Halloween to everybody. Uh, If you're listening to this on the day it's released... Uh, tune in next week for Hollywood Shuffle and for now for No Highway Option I've been Connor and I've been Luke I'm Jason and as always these have been all of our opinions and if you didn't agree with us that is too bad because it's our way No No Highway highway Option. Option